When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty good. Wow. Welcome back to Draft Vice, and today we are talking about, wait a second, the Dolphins and the Beige, right? Two totally different teams, two totally different drafts. But before we get into that, welcome back to Draft Vice. My name is Walter. I'll be your host today. Uh, if you want, follow the podcast at Draft Vice on Twitter, at Draft Vice underscore football on Instagram. You can follow me at Brojo Death Punch. That's B-R-O-J-O. Death is in the end of life. Punch, a delicious drink. And uh, it, like, follow, subscribe, all that regular junk. Uh, go ahead and find this on the, the iTunes if you're not on the iTunes if you're watching this on the YouTube, like I said, subscribe, hit the bell, you know those things. I don't want to get too deep into it. And we're back. We're doing real football thing. Well, we're not back into football. The draft just ended two days ago. It feels like fall score and seven years ago. No, we are, it, was, it was three days ago, actually. But let's get into it, right? We got the draft. We got Miami, right? Miami, Miami, a team with all the picks in the world. All the women and all the girls loved Miami, right? Welcome to Miami and Benito Aniani. Right, so we got Miami, right? They did their draft. They had all these picks. They had two first, they had three first rounders, not two, three. They had five, six, five, eighteen, and twenty-six. And what did they do at five? Right, everybody was wondering. I was saying this last week, right? I did my looking forward episode last week. Why? Because Miami was the bells of the ball for the draft, and boy, did they come ready and prepared, right? They looked all nice in their dress. Uh, Flores and Greer were ready to go. And who did they pick at number five overall? Oh my God, dude! It was it was nerve wracking, right? You didn't know. Well, oh, there's rumors they're gonna take Herbert. There's a rumors they're gonna take an offensive lineman. There were rumors they might trade up and they might trade to three or four and offense. None of it made sense. None of the rumors made sense except for two. One, Herbert maybe kinda, but it still didn't make sense when you think about how much better Tua is as a quarterback from college going into football. How much better he is as a prospect. So anyway, they took Tua, number five overall. I Honestly, I think it was a good move. Um, If they didn't take him, I wouldn't have thought it was a bad move either. I, I think it's all about your risk assessment of him. I don't think he was a bad quarterback, right? The one risk, the, the only thing on the field that I'd be worried about is him ha- is his translation to a multi-read system because oftentimes his second read, he didn't even have to make it to his second read. And when he did, he did have some issues getting to his second read. But he's good playing off script. He's good throwing with touch. He's good with the pocket presence. So if you can do all those things, right, learning to make it to your second read is not that hard. Making it to your second progression. And and you and you can build a system that works off that. So I actually think, and a lot of, a lot of quarterbacks uh, need a, a, a pretty rhythmic scheme or a half-field read on a progression, especially early coming out into the NFL. We've seen it all the time. And we've seen guys adapt and develop we've seen it with Jared Goff right so I I think it's fine I think uh, Tua will be fine it's the injuries that worry everybody including me it's sometimes the way he plays that's really his other risk on the field right it's will he be available and there is a little bit of question with the injury risk don't get me wrong I just think that with the hip it I'm not as worried uh, as as I might have once been uh, I know uh, doctors are saying, listen, it, it might cause a little bit of arthritis. Well, like, listen, it's football. Everybody can get injured. A lot of guys are going to be aching and paining and sore. He might not have a 20-year career. He might have a 10 or 15. 
you know what Miami's in this game for? They're in the game for now, right? Cheap deal. They get a great quarterback, hopefully. That's the idea is you want this to be – you want him – when you're throwing the dart at the quarterback, the reason why it's better to go Tua than Herbert, right? If Tua hits and what we see – and like, and given the 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 risk reward ratio and what we've seen on the field, there's a higher likelihood two is going to hit, bar injury. Injury is a worry though. Now the good thing about Miami, right? You're you're going to get to sit him. Uh, you you know you get him healthy, get him to know the system. You have Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? Ryan Fitzpatrick played well last year. I don't think anybody's chasing him out of Miami. Uh, you also have Josh Rosen there to be a good backup. Maybe a trade chip down the line, so you have more assets to accumulate. So you have all these pieces together, and, and so I, I like it. I think it was a good move. Uh, I you know I get there are some Miami fans who are actually worried with Tua. Uh, I know there's some people who might have preferred Herbert. I think Mike Tannenbaum, the the GM of uh, the former GM of the Miami Dolphins, uh, was a very big proponent of Herbert. And I understand the argument. I just, you know what? I think two is the better quarterback. I understand the injury risk concerns. And there's some people who might say, well, and, and there's questions with his arm. And there's questions. I think he's got plenty of arm. Him and Burrow, I, I've said this before, very, very funny. The top two quarterbacks are actually not the guys with the arm. They're the guys with the, menta- um, the mental makeup. They, they're good at the other things about being a quarterback. Pocket mobility, playing off script, uh pocket presence and feel and knowing when the rush is coming those things i think are harder to to get a a feel for those are almost innate uh whereas like you can overcome as long as you have a baseline nfl arm i think you can overcome any real other problem so with those things i I, so i think you're fine with that so tua good i i kind of i like it i think if that's where you want to go with this go with them i think if that's your guy go with them so now this is where the draft gets a little wonky, right? So we go, we go another thirteen picks. They don't make a pick. They take a, they take a guy at eighteen, right? This guy called Austin Jackson out of USC was not my next tackle on the board. Uh, they, I, I, there might have been rumors that they were interested in trading up or trading down for certain guys. I don't know. It, Greer and uh, I watched the interviews with Greer and Flores afterwards, right? That's what I'm doing for this series. I'm watching all the interviews with everybody. I'm trying to take account of what they what they find value in. Why are they drafting a guy? Uh, I look at the team and the buildup, and hopefully, like if these if these teams stay consistent, you will learn something about these teams. For instance, what did I learn from the, these interviews and from this the first round of this draft? Well, okay, we're gonna move past uh, Austin Jackson for one second. We're gonna do the next pick, Noah Igbahogany, right? Love the name. Love the name. Sounds like a nice wood that you would get at a at a tree store or or a furniture store. Even better, they don't really sell trees in stores, but they do sell furniture and they make furniture sometimes out of wood. Sounds and oh, this is a nice igbahogany desk right here. And igbahogany man corner, uh, athletic, learning the position, relatively new at it, and I think he fits very well in what Flores wants to do in his system. He's a high end talent at corner, right? They look at that as a premier position in their system. Yo, if that is what it, it, we're learning something, and they already got two guys, and they have Xavier Howard, right, elite top end corner, right. Then they went ahead and signed Byron Jones, another elite high end corner. Both these guys are the highest paid corners in the NFL right now, like it, it, at least in the top five. Byron Jones is the highest paid. So now you have two of the highest paid corners in the NFL, 
and you draft a corner with your third first-round pick, a guy who's going to play man for you, might be able to play nickel, might be able to play on the outside eventually. You hope he develops. He is a premier elite talent. They are looking for pass coverage over pass rush. They're trying to recreate what the Baltimore Ravens did last year. So, And honestly, the best part about that pick is they traded back, right? They were... Uh, this was they had the 26th pick I think it was and they traded back they traded back to 30 with uh, I believe it was Green Bay so Green Bay can go make their stupid uh, pick of the night I'm apologizing Green Bay I don't mean it was that stupid not compared to the rest of your picks oh you roasting Green Bay now Walter are you well hold on I'll get to Green Bay eventually yo it's been roast time on Green Bay for like all of it and you know what if he, if Jordan Love pops we're all gonna look like we're gonna have egg all over the face like I said before it looks stupid and it's like Green Bay went into that draft. Well, get off of Green Bay, Walter. We're on to Miami now. All right, we're on Miami, everybody. So we're on to Miami, right? So I like Igbahogany. I like Tua. Unfortunately, I don't like the other guy that took Austin Jackson. I, listen, athletic tackle, still learning the position. Seems to be a it seems to be a, a trend for some of their guys, right? Especially the early guys, high end upside talent. Uh, uh, I, the only thing is, is when you look at the rest of this draft, where other guys went. Uh, maybe they didn't have a chance to trade back. Maybe they felt like they had to take a tackle, and Austin Jackson was the guy they had rated next on their board. I don't know how. I saw him get his lunch taken from him by AJ Epinesa and Bradley and I. Like, Bradley and I actually owns, like, a pair of Austin Jackson shoes now because he just beat him up so bad. Uh, 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 Austin Jackson actually has nightmares of, uh, of Bradley and I. Bradley and I, who went, like, four rounds later. So, okay, we'll get past him. Maybe he develops, right? They, they believe in their O-line coach. They believe in their O-line. Uh, they believe in his athleticism. They got to, you know, listen, they probably know way more about this kid than I do, right? So we'll, I'll give him a pass, right? We'll go past the, the, the first round uh, was an interesting first round. They got, they got a little bit of extra. They got some, they got a pick. They got an extra pick for trading back from Green Bay. So now uh, they, they go back and, you know, I, I listened to the interviews and what, they went over process and criteria, a lot of good players at that position. End of the day, he was the best choice for Miami, right? Like, I'm telling you, even the beat reporters were like, really, Austin Jackson? There was Josh Jones. There was Ezra Cleveland. Uh, you could have waited and taken a, a guy later on. We know, like, we know offensive line is a big deal. You could have maybe taken Cesar Ruiz at that point. There's a lot of pieces that are to that team. You probably could have gotten a better player. And they, they said, listen, he fell in our – that's what our process said. He was the next best guy on the table. This is who we're going with. Um, like I said, uh, kind of sad face for Austin Jackson for me. I Again, I'm just going to touch on Igbahogany a little bit more. Uh, they said he was the best player on the board. So it means, like, they had a, a – a, even for, like, a team that had needs, right, like quarterback and tackle, they still played the game of BPA – for the most part, he fit their scheme perfectly. He was the next best guy on the table. And I think that's true. I think for a team that values man corner and man coverage, right? We're going to go into their depth chart a little bit later on. When you value that, you need a bunch of these elite guys. You can't just have one because guys get injured. So this is another shot of, say, listen, we, we, we have the shot at this dart. We can get another man coverage corner. We'll worry about safety a little bit later on. We have Eric Rowe. We've got uh, Bobby McCain, so we're not too worried there. So we'll take the the man corner who maybe could at least pop in as a slot guy in the beginning. And, you know, if Byron Jones gets injured or, or Xavier Xavier Howard, we go ahead and we have another we have an, another plan. So first round, I was a big fan of it. 
uh, again, what we learned from that is they value corners highly. That is kind of what I like about this series that I'm trying to do here is we're learning what is the you know what's the game plan for some of these teams. How do they value players? Here we learn that they value corners highly. Is going to be pass coverage. This big pass coverage versus pass rush debate. So they had two second round picks. They took uh, interior lineman Robert Hunt out of Louisiana. At least I had him as an interior lineman. They might have him as a tackle. He was really technically a tackle. Uh, I just thought he was. I did not think he was going to be uh, playing tackle in the NFL. I thought he was going to be playing interior offensive line. Uh, could have been uh, a just you know maybe they they were still playing interior line they did they signed Eric Flowers we're gonna we're gonna slightly touch on the free agents of them because I want to give people a picture uh, after we get done with the draft just so people can understand how all these things fit for the Miami Dolphins but what I want you know last week I just did the uh, the looking forward series I went over all the free agent hiring so it's not going to be an, as in depth. As far as that goes, go check out that video. It's a great video. Uh, so they, they draft Robert Hunt. Again, they're attacking the O-line. Then they go for Raekwon Davis, right? This is kind of – this is a Patriots guy. This is a Flores guy. This is a high-floor guy, high-character guy, Alabama, good run-stopper, didn't really develop a lot as a pass rusher. And I actually thought he would go a little bit later, but this is fine. This is a good spot for him. He fits the scheme. This is exactly what we'd see Bill Belichick do, right? You know, good run-stopping D-tackle. And honestly, when you're doing this, I, I think there might be a good argument here for if you are doing this pass-rush versus pass-coverage debate, the thing that you can sell out on is, listen, we don't need to pay pass rushers. We'll get a bunch of D-tackles. We'll throw some stunts in there and some blitzes. We got a guy named Cal Van Noy. He's a linebacker, but we'll blitz him. So, again, when you do that, though, you need to be able to stop the run. We're going to go into how he fits into the you know their defensive line room because it's a very deep defensive line room. Now, they've got a couple of guys who were on the roster already. Christian Wilkins, who was their, who was their defensive tackle last year. You know, they have a couple other D linemen now, too. So, uh, then they go uh, Solomon Kinley in Georgia, uh, interior O linemen. This is another – you can see there's like a, a trend. Oh, they also went uh, – uh, Brandon Jones, safety out of Texas, not who I thought that, you know, again, another safety, another defensive back. I get the defensive back thing. I don't know if I would have went Brandon Jones, but, you know, safety is weird. You'll hear me say this. It's all about scheme. It's how do they see that guy in their system? You know, uh, I, I get that. I think it was a, so I get what they're trying to do. They have, you know, again, and they're trying, it's the same thing you see with the Patriots. Get the guy in our system. We'll get to see what he is, especially defensive backs. They value them completely. And I think that's going to be the trend in the NFL is you are going to value defensive backs and you're going to value pass rushers and you're not going to value certain other positions as much, specifically linebacker. So they took that guy. Um, they, they took Salman Kinley out of Georgia, uh, interior O-lineman, uh, not a, wasn't really high on a lot of people's boards. I, I kind of get why, again, like, it, when you look at the Georgia uh, team this year, you know, everybody was so, you know, bedazzled by the tackles. They kind of didn't pay attention to the interior O-linemen. And, uh, again, they were uh, – I'm not as high on him as maybe I would some other guys, but it wasn't a horrible pick. Uh, and when you have this – and this is, this is their fourth round. So they we're now into day three, right? Day three, they got a lot of interesting picks here. I think there there was a lot of interesting interior O linemen who went 
on day three. Um, a whole list of them, you know, whether they were tackles that converted to guard, like Ben Barch, that might end up playing, you know, he might play guard in the NFL, he might play tackle, he might be a reserve tackle for a bit. Uh, ben Bredesen, uh, Natani Mutai, uh, I think Lloyd Cushenberry went in the third round for the Broncos. Uh, a couple of guys, uh, you know, uh, Lemieux, who the Giants took. So there were a lot of interior O-linemen who went on day three, who actually will probably end up being, you know, good reserve players. Nick Harris, I think, is, like, going to be a backup center for the Browns. Uh, I talked about him last night. So uh, when you have all the – a lot of these good interior O-linemen that are there, I I didn't think of him as, as high as some of those other interior O-linemen. Again, it comes down to scheme, but I feel like there was a lot of value in different schemes as far as interior O-linemen go. You know, we saw Jack Driscoll fall late. We saw Prince Tegawinogo fall late. Like, I felt like, honestly, for a team that was attacking O-line, since you took high-end shots, I felt like you could have taken safer shots or interesting, more interesting shots. Again, Prince Tegawinogo fell much further. I'm not trying to redraft their whole draft, but it was a very, like, hit-or-miss draft. It was some guys who were, like, very high-risk, high-reward guys. There were some guys like Raypon Davis, high-floor guy. Um... Another couple of guys they went they went after a couple of pass rushers actually they went after Jason Strobridge uh, you know from the interview you know again he can play inside he can play outside he's got good strength good quickness uh, versatile he's tough uh, you know and these are Brian Flores' own words so it kind of gives you an idea he's very high on Strobridge whereas Curtis Weaver they took like I think a round later and a lot of, not even a round later ten picks later it was both in the fifth round and they went back to back pass rushers or D linemen. And it was weird because a lot more people were hiring Curtis Weaver. But the, even the question that they gave, right, was how does he translate to the NFL? That was exactly what it sounded like with Flores and uh, Greer. It was like, do we even know this guy's going to translate? Like, what he did at Iowa? Like, you know, he's a good pass rusher. He's a little slippery. But what's he going to do when he gets to a real NFL team? Is he really going to still be as slippery? Does he really have a position? He's going to have to. He's going to have to really – learn and actually you kind of heard a little bit of a slip up because they're like yo he's gonna have to really get into it and learn the position and they kind of backed off and went well all of them are gonna have to really learn their positions they've never been in the nfl so they, they kind of backed off of this kind of uh well let's say like they they were like yeah we're uh, they were like when he was going in on curtis weaver and kind of didn't sound like they were super high on him it was just a pick there they were like this guy's falling He's very high on PFF's board. He's very high on other people's boards. Let's go ahead and grab him and see what he is. So I felt like that was what they, like, without the complete profile, they were like, let's take him. He's a fifth rounder. And this is really where you take that kind of shot. And I think this was a good spot for that shot. I think if you can see where he, you know, how he works in the NFL, he could end up being a big hit in the fifth round. Uh, but he did play, you know, you didn't really see him play high-end competition, so it's kind of hard. It's like bullying little kids, right? I'm not saying he actually bullies little kids. Uh, they did draft a long snapper, so that was on them. Uh, Malcolm Perry at a Navy, uh, QB wide receiver. Uh, I think they're going to probably play him at wide receiver. They're probably not playing a QB. This sounds kind of like that idea of Julian Edelman, right? Like kind of like, hey, let's uh, let's get a guy who like he played QB wide receiver at Navy. But they do that option offense and everything. Um, but Edelman was very much this way. Edelman was a quarterback in college, and then he came into the NFL as a sixth-round pick, stuck on, became uh, a special teams guy, then their slot receiver. So this sounds like a very Chris Greer – it sounds very much like a Brian Flores kind of player, Brian Flores kind of guy. 
And I know there's some new rules coming in with uh, with guys who uh, went to the military schools and want to go to the NFL. So maybe there's something there with him as well. Uh, honestly, one of my favorite things they did on day three wasn't even a guy they picked. They traded for Matt Breida, right? So they're they're picking up uh, an asset that was, uh, you know, for I think they they didn't even trade a pick. They kind of swapped picks. They got Breida for, uh, you know, so Matt Breida was really good on the San Francisco 49ers. Also a good reason as to why, you know, it didn't really make sense to draft running backs really high. Like, I even heard one of the reporters go like, well, we, you know, Dobbins got taken right before your next pick. Would you have taken him? And honestly, I don't think they were planning on taking Dobbins. It didn't even sound like Greer and Flores were interested in taking a running back in the top two rounds, which makes sense because look what they got here. Matt Breida is a very good running back. Jordan Howard's going to be a good running back for them. So, And both a very different scheme set, totally different uh, uh, skill set. You got, you got Breida, who's this quick little fast guy, can catch out of the backfield a little bit. Um, not greatest hands as far as, like, he's not really a pass-catching running back. They didn't really, you know, even when he was on San Francisco, they didn't want to throw to him. They wanted to throw to the other running backs because they had better hands. But very quick. Uh but really fits more of the outside zone scheme that San Francisco was running compared to what they're going to be running down in Miami. Still, it was an interesting piece. They got him on the, the roster. They didn't have to spend a pick at running back. And then you also get undrafted free agents. And so, by the way, Breida was an undrafted free agent, so you usually get a lot of those guys in. It, they're not going to be stuck playing Kalen Balaj next year is what I'm saying. So what does all this mean, right? You look at it. Um, you know, there was a lot of questions in the post-draft interviews, right? They, they called about Joe Burrow to gauge interest. Of course they did. They called everybody. That's what they said. We called everybody. Don't just blame us for the Burrow calls. They were like, they were asking about the rumors. They were like, the rumors? We were, yeah, of course there were rumors. Well, what'd you hear? They were all true and they're all false. What do you want to know? So anyway, there were rumors and they, they said, listen, we were laughing at half the rumors. You guys were like, think we're going to trade up for a tackle and get top three. I wonder who released that one, right, Chris? Um... You know, they there was a lot of questions as well, but there was a big thing about unity, right? They were in lockstep, a uh, lot of expectations, but had you know had to get everyone on the same page. They have a lot of expectations for these players. Uh, you know, they're they're hoping to get everybody on the same page through virtual um, OTAs, and hopefully they get some kind of rookie mini camp going. You know, you see you started to see a little bit of this. By the way, Flores is not not the most. Um, uh, entertaining interview. I think there have been some. He's a great guy. I love him. He honestly looks like he he looks like he could be an actor. He looks he looks beautiful, if you will. Um, but he does not. He's not a. He's he's like a Belichick. He's a he's he's like yeah. I don't want to give you all the information, but he's a very nice Belichick. Belichick's kind of a dick about it. This guy's just like yeah. That's why it is. Yeah, Adrian. Exactly. Um. So now we have this, we, we have all these pieces, right? They drafted all these guys, and, uh, you know, they had some key signings, right? They, they signed Kyle Van Noy, Byron Jones, Eric Flowers, Ted Karras, Emmanuel Ogba, Shaq Lawson, Clayton Field, he, he, and Jordan Howard, right? So that all sounds so great. Like, oh, wow, they got, they got all these pieces. They drafted a bunch of guys. And honestly, I'm a, I wouldn't say I'm, like, underwhelmed, right? I thought, again... From the draft, from their free agent class, which I was actually relatively impressed by, a lot of interesting pieces, and then their current draft, what they got, it sounds like they have a lot, right? Um, 
Let's go to defense first. We'll talk defense because it's the piece that I'm more interested in right now. And by the way, I'm I didn't re- other than the guy out of Navy, they really didn't attack receiver very much, which I'm a little shocked by because outside of Preston Williams and Devontae Parker, like I don't know what you really have. Like, yeah, okay, so let's talk about defense, right? So you got Christian Wilkins and uh, Devon Goldshaw. Uh, they they've been playing there for the last uh, year or so. Uh, now you get to add to that D tackle room. You got Raquan Davis. Um, you know, they, they have Avery Moss, they have Taco Charlton, who they got off waivers from the, the Dallas Cowboys. They, uh, you know, now they, they have, uh, you know, uh, Ogba and Shaq Lawson. They, you know, you have all these interesting pieces. Their linebacking room is, you know, uh, Kyle Van Noy and Raekwon, uh, is it Raekwon McMillan? Raquan McMillan, yes, I got it. So you got all these interesting pieces that are going to be there. Jerome Baker, who came on really well. Vince Beagle came on really well as well. So you got a good linebacking core. I like it. Um, so now you got all these pieces together. It's all about getting to work, right? So, But what I noticed was, right, when you look at a lot of these guys, a lot of the D linemen, really good at stopping the run, right? The, the, main, the main focus seems to be D-line, your job is to stop the run and help the guys get to the passer. And the the corners, your job is to shut everybody down, right? There, there seems to be a, you know, they didn't put a high effort into getting true pass rushers. The, it sounds like it's going to be more of a blitz and stunt kind of a defense. Kind of fun. Uh, you hope for the best. Uh, you know, you have your safety room's gotten a little bit thicker, right? You got Eric Rowe, Bobby McCain. You drafted a safety. Uh, again, like your corners, I, you know, we went over it over and over again. So what does this mean for this team, right? So you, you look at uh, offense. You got an interesting quarterback room with Fitzpatrick, Tua, Rosen. You got uh, running backs, Balaj, Breida, and Howard, Parker, and Hearns. Mac Ho- the receiving core is interesting, right? You got Devontae Parker, Alan Hearns, Mac Hollins, Preston Williams, Jakeem Grant, who I think is going to be kind of like the little bit of a uh, unique speed guy there, and as well as Albert Wilson still there. Albert Wilson, remember Albert Wilson? Oh, he's got a, he's Albert Wilson. So you got Albert Wilson. He's got the the speed element to him. Uh, we've seen him take the ball to the house on actually the Patriots a couple of times. Um, he was a guy who was there when Gase was there. A couple of these guys were, but he was like a big like Gase is like we got to get this guy, and then he stayed on. So they got all these little pieces together. Um, you know, they didn't attack tight end because it was a weird, bad tight end class. They went after uh, offensive line. They went after Robert Hunt, right? They went after Austin Jackson. They got Julian Davenport there. Um, Shaq Calhoun. They got Ted Karras so they got in free agency. They got Eric Flowers. So they got all these Michael Dieter, all these pieces. And now you're hoping that it's not just coin flips. Now, the good thing is you don't have to play uh, to attack of Iloa right away. Right, you got all these pieces, but you don't have to utilize all your pieces right now. You're getting guys uh, some acclimated to the system, uh, and now I think they also have a little bit of an excuse as far as if they don't hit a very high ceiling, if the expectations are high, because hey, we have coronavirus. I wasn't able to get all my rookies in the room. I wasn't able to get all my free agents in the room. It's it's a very interesting uh, defensive build, right? It's a very um, – I'm still worried about the offensive line. I'm just going to be honest here, right? I, I like the draft. 
I like what they did in certain regards. I like what they did on defense, but the offensive stuff, I wasn't huge on Austin Jackson. I didn't think I, if Robert Hunt's the other tackle you're playing, I still think you're going to have problems. Uh, I felt like there were other guys available throughout this draft who you could have went after at different spots. I just saw offensively, I wasn't a big fan. Defensively, man, this draft was really good for them. And again, Tua was a really good pickup for them as well. So overall, I think it was like a B, B-plus draft. I don't really grade drafts. You didn't hear me grade the other two drafts. Like, I feel like I'm being rude here by grading a draft. I just feel like there is definitely a lot of upside between free agency and what they've done in the draft. I think you will see, and again, this is one of those things. It might be like a McDermott show, right? Like McDermott, you know, there's a lot of pieces that they have that, I, you know, you probably didn't think, like, this is going to be a great move, and they just make it look good. So it's coaching sometimes. Uh, dude, I'm excited for Miami. I feel sad, but next year we'll have another draft, and Miami will have multiple picks in that draft, and it was, I, I think they did good. I think they did well. I think they got, like I said, defensively, I think they got so many pieces. I'm really eager to see how everything adds up. Let's talk the Bears, right? Bears did not have a first-round pick. Who would the Bears have? Khalil Mack. They traded two first-rounders to Khalil Mack. So, as we get into the uh, the Chicago Bears and Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, we got to talk a little bit about the offseason, right? I have not done an offseason episode since uh, since before free agency began. Um, we're going to just touch on it a little bit only because to get a little bit of context, right? I'm, we're going to talk more about their free agency moves later on. But the big one, the big one we all have to talk about is they traded for Nick Foles, right? Fourth rounder for Nick Foles. Uh so now they have Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky. This is their backup plan is Mitch, uh, uh, Mitch Foles, basically. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, this is the fusion version of them. They did the, the, little, the little dance, and now they are Mitch Foles. That's that, that, I don't even think I would make them a better quarterback, to be honest. I don't think that gets them any of the tools that you need to be a QB. Both have some issues as far as being a quarterback. Uh, but the difference is, is you could at least hope that Trubisky takes a step forward, develops. You know, he is athletic. Uh, but this doesn't sound like a ringing, endearing uh, endorsement, if you will, if you're going after trading a fourth-round pick for a heavy contract of Nick Foles, right? So $20 million backup plan is a big backup plan. It sounds like you're going to use it. Uh, so what do they do in the draft, right? Maybe they're hoping they don't have to utilize Nick Foles. Either way, they did not have a first-round pick. Their first second, they have two second round picks, right? One's from the Raiders, one's their own. Their first second round pick, I think, left a taste in everybody's mouth that made them ignore the rest of their draft, right? Because their first second round pick was kind of weird. They went after Cole Komet, tight end out of Notre Dame. You listen to the interviews, they said, this was the highest guy on our board, right? He's a wide tight end. He's a good blocker, good catcher. He can do everything. That's true. He can do everything. Can he do uh, – but he's not like – he doesn't have uh, – part of when you're looking at these guys is whether they have high-end upside. Now, there is – I don't believe there's a high-end upside of Cole Komet, but I could be wrong. Uh, you know, they talked about how his run after catch. Uh, again, good blocker, can get better at it, but he, he shows that he can be a – he's shown already that he's a good blocker in college. He'll You know, you can probably push him forward to be a good blocker in the NFL. That's what they wanted, a wide tight end. Uh Someone who they can utilize in the, you know, in the formation, get some matchups. Okay, I get it. 
uh, you know, and they say his, his run backing is improving, and they, you know, they say he has good upside, has good run after catch. I don't see the upside here. This is why I think a lot of people also keep in mind. Only a couple of years ago, they took a, a tight end in the second round from a small school, Adam Shaheen. So you've now taken multiple tight ends in the top fifty that uh, may or may not pan out. You know, you've already you, you threw Trey Burton out the door, right? Trey Burton was cut recently. Uh, that was a big free agent deal a couple of years ago. Again, this is another one of those things where you're looking at it and you're going, damn, man, like, yo, you're missing on these tight ends left and right. They signed Jimmy Graham. That was one of their free agency moves that uh, we have to talk about. But so it, it and Demetrius Harris, former tight end of the Chiefs and the Cleveland Browns. So it seems like they're really attacking tight end. Uh, and they said, like, oh, a lot of people talk about, like, the move tight end, the U tight end in our offense. Well, we also care about the Y tight end. And it's like. But I think you overvalued it. I think there were better players there for other positions. I, I get you might have said this is the guy who is highest on your board. I don't agree. And why don't I agree? Because I think there's other guys they drafted who are actually better. You look at their next pick, right? Seven picks later, they pick up Jalen Johnson out of Utah. Fell due to injury risk. And, uh, you know, even from their argument, right? He says good size, good awareness, uh, uses his strength to his advantage, intelligent, plays with instinct, high football character, High work ethic. Like, this is what Pace was saying, right? So if this is what they're pitching you to him, I kind of like it. And I, I agree. Actually, these are all things that, I, you know, out of the things you can glean from watching tape and uh, and not meeting with them, this is kind of all makes sense. This kind of sounds about right. The major reason why he fell was because of injury. Uh, anyways, he's a strong physical talent. He's missed one game in three years, right? But, uh, you know, the injury could limit him in the offseason program. I think that was more of the worry. So, in fact, they kind of rebutted it. They said, listen, yeah, he might he might be injured right now, but he's never missed a game. He's missed one game in three years. He's good. We should be fine with him. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that's your best assessment, but uh, they expect him to be healthy when they need him. So, there you go. I, I think it's a good pickup. I think he was a, he's a really good outside corner. Um, now you pair him up with uh, Fuller on the outside. They released a Mukamar in the, in the offseason. Uh, they do have Buster's screen as well. Uh, there, Buster Screen's gonna be, you know, his Buster Screeniness. They lost Ha Ha Clinton Dix. He's now over on the Cowboys. So, their their defense about they still have Eddie Jackson. So they still have a lot of good pieces to that defense. It's a, you know, that back end. If they can get a good good play out of Jalen Johnson, I think that's a good back end. Um, they also signed Robert Quinn. They've got Akeem Hicks, and they also got you know the one, the only Khalil Mack. So you have all these good pieces on your defense, right? Um, what, so what do they have? They don't. Those are their two second round picks. This is they had to get something out of them. I think they got a little. I think they should have just doubled down. They should have went more on defense, right? They should have went linebacker or not linebacker. They should have just went more on defense. They, like you know, again, they they had issues everywhere. But I, I feel like, listen, are you really believing in Trubisky at this point? Are you going to get the most out of him? They released Taylor Gabriel. They could have went KJ Hamler, right? Fast kid out of uh, Penn State. You know, you needed a like you guys need that speed element. It seems like that seemed like an important thing to your offense. You really didn't have that, except they do take a guy who has a little bit of speed to him later on in the draft, right? Darnell Mooney, um, him I like. That was like I said. I think part he's he's a fifth round pick out of Tulane. He has four three speed. That was the pick that made you like again. I think a lot of people look at the Bears draft. They hear Cole Komet, and that's where they shut off, right? Had you kept paying attention or had you forgotten that they had picked Hulk Komet seven picks later they got Jalen Johnson that was a good move um 
In the fifth round, they go for Kendall Vilder out of Georgia Southern. Uh, he was a senior bowl guy. Uh, he got a pick in his first practice, got a, pay, uh, a pass breakup during the the, uh, the, the bowl game. Uh, he also has versatility. He could be inside and outside. He could play on special teams. So they double up on corner. So actually, like again, I, I feel like they should have used maybe both of their higher picks on, on defensive players. Just build up that whole defense as a general. Because, again, you lost Leonard Floyd. Not like he was a huge piece of your defense last year. Um, but really, or again, like I said, get a, another, get more of the receiving talent beyond just a tight end. Uh, I just feel like tight end has like a very limit especially, you know, when you're going after a guy you're drafting in the second round. Who knows? I could be totally wrong. This guy could be, you know, uh, the next big tight end. So there you go. Uh, it's also just it takes time for tight ends to acclimate to the NFL. So you're not going to get an immediate response right away. I feel like two guys who feel like their names are on the block, their heads are on the block, this is their last shot, and you took a tight end with your first pick. Again, we're all harping on the tight end. Even I'm doing it, everybody. This is so fucked up. But it's true. I feel like there's a little bit of worry with the tight end issue because, again, like you could have utilized – there was a lot of good picks in this draft. You're in the 40s. Uh, you know, there was a lot of good players. You could have gotten a LaVisca Chanel. Got a good run-after catch guy, right? Um, another guy with injured concern, though. So, I again, there's just so many pieces in this draft. I, I felt like a tight end – uh, was kind of weird. Now, granted, they got a lot of good receivers, right? They've got uh, Anthony Miller, who came on again at the end of last year. Hopefully, he heals up again. He, that's always been the problem with Anthony Miller, though, injury. Allen Robinson's come fully back from injury. We saw true Allen Robinson last year. So, I, you know, there's, they got pieces there as far as the receiving core goes. Maybe Cole Komet, uh, maybe they proved me wrong with Cole Komet. They probably can, actually, because I actually don't think he's a bad player. So, um you know, they went corner and then another receiver with Darnell Mooney. They did go after uh, Travis Gibson. So they had, like, a couple of fifth-round picks, and they utilized them. Uh, you know, Travis Gibson uh, was another guy from the Senior Bowl. They traded up to get him. He's an outside li linebacker in their defense. Uh, it sounds like, again, that they were trying – like, but, they again, it cost them picks to go ahead. They traded a fourth-rounder next year to go ahead and get this guy. So what do I think about this draft? I think that they got a lot of interesting pieces, right? Darnell Mooney, fast guy, uh, you know, two corners who, you know, one, uh, two guys who came from the Senior Bowl. They also got a couple of offensive linemen late. Like, they were kind of more shots in the dark. By the way, I feel like that's a bigger issue that's nobody talking about, right? They signed Jermaine Effetti in, uh, in free agency because, uh, uh, oh, God, uh, Allen, Kyle Allen uh, retired. And, it, and so you're missing out on one of your best guards. Uh, so now you have, this is a team that's like, oh, shit, like we got to get offensive line. They sign a Fetty, and that was it. Honestly, I think they, you know, when you look at how their offensive line played last year, they really should have been attacking offensive line sooner, right? Um, now maybe they think their guys are all going to work better together. Maybe they believe in what can, a Fetty can do at right guard. Uh, so... Again, these guys felt like the fifth round was a sweet spot. They got a lot of guys in the fifth round. Uh, they even traded up into the you know it traded up to get another guy in the fifth round. Uh, Pace really liked the fifth round in this draft. I just don't know if I would have gambled a fourth rounder next year on a fifth rounder this year when you know it, it just doesn't always make sense that way. Um, you know, like I said, Nagy made a big deal about Cole. 
uh, you know, growth-wise, he's the total package. When he ended, you know, when they did the uh, actor-player interviews, went right to the tape. And this is where I think if they fell in love with the guy, this guy right at the end of the season, right? This, he was talking about how he, like, oh, you know, we went to the, we did the interviews, the end-season interviews, and then we went right to the tape. This is the first guy I watched. I'm like, you really fell in love at first sight. That was the first player you watched. He was the first player you took. That's insane. I wouldn't even told that story. It's that insane. It's it's not as crazy as a as an owner overriding his GM and coach and taking a quarterback because a homeless guy told him to take him. But it's almost it's just crazy. It's kind of like hey, like I, again, okay, it's not nearly as crazy. Um, the one thing I want to talk about before we get into the rest of this is uh, Matt Nagy had that weird walled up room with all his previous call sheets. And he's like, well, that's just where we had a storm. I'm like, why are they on your wall? Right? Well, that's where we're keeping all of them. These are all my play sheets from, like, 2018. Uh, I had to stick them somewhere. And I'm like, I don't buy that shit, man. Like, you you were really obsessed about something. I, I was like, oh, man. Uh, I like the interview they gave about Darnell Mooney. I like Darnell Mooney. I think he's going to be a real player on that offense. He might be the guy who replaces Taylor Gabriel. I just thought that was so risky that you waited that long to go for a receiver and you waited till Darnell Mooney fell to get in the fifth round. But, all right, good. You replaced, a, a, you know, hopefully he becomes a replacement piece, a uh, little bit of a, you know, uh, you know, not gadget guy, but good, fast guy, good release, smooth route runner, uh, good at tracking the ball, has long strides, good top end speed, uh, good at making the first guy miss. So I, I kind of like it. I kind of like their draft if you forget that first pick, right? That's I feel like that's it. That that's the so honestly, if you, let's put it this way. Tale of two drafts, right? You look at the draft capital they had coming in. Now, I give Here's the thing. I have to give credit to the team that came in and got a surplus of capital, right? Miami came in with all this capital whereas Chicago came in with less capital. You know, you don't get a you don't get the um <coughs> You don't get a point because you you gave away all your capital. Now, part of that was you got a you know Khalil Mack in a trade, but you you really shouldn't be getting points because you gave away stuff. Regardless, when you look at what they came in with, they didn't have a first rounder. It felt like the teams that didn't have a first rounder reached a lot of the time. You saw it here with Cole Komet, where they could have taken other players. Um, and I don't think Cole Komet would have went that high, but then again, well, I, I, I'm not going to try and tell you where guys are definitely going to go. If that's where you had them on your board, that's where you had them on your board. Um, and again, maybe if you swap those two picks, it sounds less crazy, right? If you took Jalen Johnson at 43 and took Cole Komet at 50, you know, I think it would have been different. People would be looking at this draft differently. The rest of the picks they had weren't crazy. Darnell Mooney's good. Uh, they doubled up on corner. I actually don't think this is a bad draft. I think this is a B-level draft. I just think people want, you know, it's a B-level draft for what it is. Um, I think I would probably knock you points because you trade away a first-rounder. But then again, you know, the points come back because you got Khalil Mack out of it. Again, I don't grade drafts. I just, I I look at it. So now let's look at the future with this team, right? Uh, off-season additions, they got Demetrius Harris, they got Jimmy Graham, they got Robert Quinn, they released Trey Burton, they traded for Nick Foles, they signed Jermaine Effetti, formerly of the Seahawks, they re-signed uh, Trent Urban, kind of more of a death piece, they signed Artie Burns, cornerback formerly of the Steelers, so another guy to add to that cornerback room. They are really attacking the cornerback room, and what I'm really getting here is, I think they're going to lean more man coverage in uh, Pagano's scheme. 
this was kind of a big difference between Pagano and Vic Fangio, right? This is why, like, when people were, you know, going like, you know, the Bears are still going to be good. They still have all the players. I'm like, yeah, they have all the players, but they don't have the scheme. So when you're, you're, this is why I felt better about that that defense when you had Vic Fangio, who's this elite defensive coordinator. Nonetheless, um, but again, Artie Burns didn't do really well when he was playing with the Steelers. He, you know, former first-round pick. I thought that was actually kind of a good pickup by them, right? Reclamation project fits better in a man scheme. And I'm, I, you know, if I remember Pagano from when he was with the Colts, that's what he liked running. So it was kind of weird they went from Vangio to Pagano. But if you are, well, you better find some man corners because that's how he works his best. Um, you know, they they signed Jordan Lucas, not Frank Lucas, not not American Gangster. Jordan Lucas, formerly of the Chiefs. I think he's more of a depth piece, a guy who's going to be fighting for a roster spot. Uh, they signed Barkevius Mingo, former first-round pick of the Browns. They signed Dion Bush, safety, kind of helped replace the ha-ha Clinton Dix portion of their their roster. And because uh, ha-ha Clinton Dix walked away, he went to Dallas. Da- Dix goes to Dallas, and Floyd goes to L.A., so, what does this mean, right? Um, you know, when you look at their team, they've got a very uh, you know they got a very elite gold line, uh, D line, right? You got Hicks, you got Goldman, you got Khalil Mack. Your linebacking core includes uh, Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan. You signed Robert Quinn in free agency. Your, your corner room's actually gotten a little bit deeper as well, right? Between Jalen Johnson, Artie Burns, uh, Fuller, you got uh, Buster Screen, another guy, you know, the guy who took uh, in the fifth round, who I just mentioned before. Uh, should I really pull up his name again? So now it seems like they're they're trying to remake the back end of this defense. Uh, you know, they cut Prince of Mukamara. So the defense looks like it's going to pop up and be a little bit better this year. I could see them, you know, last year we saw a lot of regression. We saw some injuries. Akeem Hicks got injured. Uh, There's just a lot of pieces that kind of fell apart. This year, going into it, they might take a step back forward, right? Um, You know, they got the – now, so they'll be able to rely on that defense a little bit more. You know, they had – again, people got injured. Uh, They were also on the field a lot because, again – when you have Mitch Trubisky as your quarterback and he's not really playing well, it gives you a little bit of a headache, right? Let's talk about the offense. This is why I was a little bit worried about their draft, right? Uh, where they picked, what players were available to them. Uh, they got Charles Leno Jr. playing left tackle. They got James Daniels playing left guard. They got Cody Whitehair playing center. Jermaine Effetti playing right guard. And Bobby Massey playing right tackle, who actually they gave an extension to not so far ago. So, Bobby Massey, I kind of like that guy. Um, I actually know a guy named Bobby Massey, so not the same dude. I I just feel like, again, you you, you should have maybe attacked it a little bit more than the seventh round. There were a lot of guys, like, they were talking about that's a good, you know, fifth round was a really good sweet spot. Yeah, it was a good sweet spot for, like, late-stage O-linemen. So, maybe there was nobody there who fit their scheme or their system. I just felt like there, there, were, there were guys there. I now... You know, do you throw the throw out the guys who you already drafted for a guy who you know would you give up on Darnell Mooney for Natani Mutai? Probably not. 
but you know, it, it all comes down to how you weigh the the board and what you think is important. Um, you know, the receiving core is a little interesting. Got Anthony Miller, Allen Robinson, uh, Cordero Patterson, Riley Ridley. The running back room is still David Montgomery and Tyree Cohen. That's why it was the one position I didn't think they were going to go after this year was running back because they have running backs. And, and then they can also get replacements of them in the, you know, in free agency as well. It, it all comes down to can they get some real performance out of Mitch Trubisky? And also, who's going to be their tight end? You got Jimmy Graham, Demetrius Harris, uh, Adam Shaheen, Cole Komet. Uh, how many tight ends do you have on this roster? How many more can you really go after? And, and then again, like, are you going to trade away, guys? What was the point of signing this guy? Uh, it, regardless, I think that people overreacted to the Bears draft than than what we've seen. Now, I think some some people might have been like, well, maybe they could have went for Jalen Hurts if you're not entirely sure about Mitch Trubisky. You have another bite at the apple of fixing the, the quarterback position. That might have been the one, like, for instance, if they had taken Jalen Hurts instead of Cole Komet, first off, all your Eagles fan, friends who are fans, uh, Eagles fans that are friends with you would have thanked you. Um, I don't, And honestly, I have my own opinion on that. We're not going to talk Eagles either. I'm going to try and find an Eagles fan to come on and talk Eagles. Uh, and if not, I'll just talk about them anyway, behind their backs, uh, and in, on this podcast. Anyway, so we're talking Bears, 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 Bears. I And listen, I'm a big fan of the Bears. I like the Bears. I like it as a team. I like it as an organization. I equate, before I was a football fan, I equated football with the Bears. I, I'm now currently not a Bears fan because as I got into football, I kind of, I found my own team. Uh, but before I got into football, I was very much the guy who was like, oh, the Bears, that's totally football. And I had Matt Forte on my fantasy team for so long, too. Matt Forte. So regardless, right, both these teams, tale of two draft classes. One had all the picks. The other one didn't really. Um, also, both teams kind of questioned their quarterback situation. One team takes a quarterback fifth overall. The other team doesn't even address quarterback in the draft. Now they can add somebody in free agency. They can trade for somebody. Somebody gets cut. Uh, I don't think they're doing that. It didn't sound like they're – it doesn't sound like they're going to go for a high-end guy. They're not going for Cam Newton or Andy Dalton. Nick Foles was the high-end guy who they went for. Uh, both these teams I don't see making the playoffs. I'd be less shocked. Like I, I probably am not as shocked if they do. Uh, because you look at their division. I, I'd be more shocked with the Bears only because their division is crazy good, right? Uh, you know, Minnesota. But, you know, when you look at the rest of that division, a lot of questions with it, right? Lions did not perform very well last year. The Packers kind of punted their draft away with taking Jordan Love and then trying to say, hey, what if we convince everybody we had a good draft by, by drafting crappy players after drafting Jordan Love. So, yeah, that'll convince me it was a good move. Uh, and then you have the Minnesota Vikings, who had an exodus of players and now have to replace them, right? They traded away Stephon Diggs. They traded away... Uh, they had a... Uh, no, they traded away Stephon Diggs. They cut Xavier Rhodes. Uh, they cut Linval Joseph. Uh, Everson Griffin opts out of... You know, he hits the, the option in his contract. He gets to walk away. 
So they and then they lose Trey Waynes and Mackenzie Alexander. So they lost a lot of guys. Now they drafted a lot of guys, but you're not. Are you really going to get first year response out of all the players that you have there? I, they didn't even replace the full D line at that t- on that team yet. So uh, the Minnesota Vikings might be taking a downturn a little bit. They don't have Diggs. They drafted Jefferson Jefferson. So the Bears, I would not be shocked. If it goes two different ways, I would not be shocked if their defense becomes elite again and they become the shutdown defense and they ride that to a, to a to a playoff game. I would not be shocked if Matt Nagy finds some way to get eight, eight or nine wins out of Trubisky-Nick Foles combo. Let's talk about those two guys, right? Both guys have ma- massive issues. They have issues reading the field. Uh they can be schemed around to an extent. Now, I honestly, if you were going to tell me which one I'd rather have, I honestly think I'd rather have Trubisky. Uh, only because I don't think Nick Foles, like as much as Nick Foles is awesome that he won a Super Bowl and you're able to utilize RPOs and play action to get him there, I did not think what, I, I do not think Nick Foles is a good game-to-game, season-to-season quarterback. You got lucky for a few games that you got a high-end quality player out of him. Uh, the NFL adapts, they learn guys' weaknesses, and unless you do a lot of things really well, you're not going to make it in the NFL. So I kind of know what Nick Foles is. With Mitch Trubisky, the problem is he, he's not going through his progressions. He ducks his head. He runs. He he will sometimes throw it to the other team like he thought, like Jameis, like he's Jameis Winston with less of an arm. He locks his foot. He he does a lot of things that just are not good for a quarterback. And you either have to scheme around him, like almost it's almost like a joke that he still doesn't throw to like one side of the field. So. I think you have to scheme around him. He's actually kind of Blake Bortlesy. He's he's very Blake Bortlesy. Um, so what does that get you? Do they do? Maybe they sign Blake Bortles. To be honest, uh, he's athletic. He can move around. Uh, that's kind of what we're getting here with with Mitch Trubisky. You got you got a question of Blake Bortles esque with less arm or Nick Foles who. I again another guy who you need to kind of scheme around, who you need to buy him a couple of seconds in the pocket with a play action or an RPO, and get him some ha- some easy quick reads and get him a little bit of timing and rhythm, and maybe you go ahead and and do well with that. Now both those guys can be schemed around. I think Nagy when he traded for Nick Foles has that plan right. Uh, very similar to maybe a Jared Goffish kind of plan, right? Hey, you know what? Um, we'll do the same thing that. But the question is, can you extrapolate that? Can you do that for a? Can you do it for Nick Foles, right? Can you do the same thing that what McVeigh does for Goff with with Nick Foles? And I I think it's an interesting question. Um, I would not be shocked if either of these teams made a playoff game, given the. The, uh, the the situation within their division. I talked about it before with the Bears, the Miami Dolphins. It's, you know, the Patriots are kind of in a weird zone. Uh, the Bills are dominant. Uh, the Bills look dominant, but you never know. Um, and, again, I feel like Josh Allen, there's some question marks with that. And then the Jets kind of feel like another year away before they're actually a real threat. So, overall, I thought these were solid draft classes. I'm not going to sit there and say they were horrible. I think they were, like, uh, average. So there you go. 
Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, you can follow the podcast at DraftFice on Twitter, at DraftFice underscore football on Instagram. You could follow me at B-R-O-J-O, death is in the end of life. Punch like I will do right now. Ouch. And um, I have a new I have a new project coming out called Punk Law 101. Uh, it's a legal news and comedy show that will be, I hope, interesting and informative. So keep an eye out for it. It'll be on this channel. So you'll, if you subscribe, like I'm going to tell you now, subscribe and follow me, you will hear about it. Definitely. Anyway, TTFN, ta-ta for now. And I will see you soon. When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. I'm about the past, I'm about the future.